Really great um, practical boots to replace, like my old crummy ones that were falling apart. And uh, I think I wore one of them once this year. But um, it's nice outside. So if you get a chance, do uh, get outside, enjoy some of the weather. I know it's going to be a bit wet later on this week. But um, hey, the milder weather is here. It's going to feel like spring, and it does today. I did it, you know, this week, a couple of things. I ate a lot, not surprising, but what's a little different is I, I checked out a couple of new, I went to a few places that I just I hadn't been before, and I was also filling in on um, breakfast television for Live Eye one day earlier this week, and I got to check out the um, Tiff Bell Light Box, uh, which is down at King and John, so where the film festival stuff happens, they also have a theater there. So they've set up this cool thing called the um, Digi Play Space. And if you have kids, you may have heard of it before. It's, I don't have kids. I didn't really know about it. Uh, this is their fifth year. And inside, um, there's just all these really, really cool installations that are like super interactive. And um, I think the admission fee is actually pretty reasonable. I think it's about $10, but you can definitely check their website and find out. Um and uh, I think like it's probably good for kids ages like you know five and up. But um, there's a, an area that has all these like really cool arcade games that are all animal based. And for someone like myself who could barely do well at like Atari, uh, I love that the games they were really <laughs> they're really easy. Like there's one where it's just two ant eaters, and the control knob is you controlling their tongue, and you're trying to get their tongue down into the ant holes to see how many ants you can get, and then you know one of you wins. Uh, there's another game. I'm just telling you this because these are the kind of games that are simple. They're not. Um, too overly stimulating, like there's not a million things going on, there's no one shooting people up or robbing people and all kinds of like crazy monsters and zombies. They're just really simple and colorful and the mission is something that I feel like I can relate to. There was one game there, um, again, this little arcade game, and there are two players and it's just called Pugs Sniffing Pugs. And you take the controller and you pick the dog you want. You're a pug of various colors. And you walk around through the park. And in the park, there's like a woman having a picnic. There's some geese. Um, There's a bunch of trees. There's like a little carnival. And the whole point of the game is just like you walking around and you have two skills. And they change depending on which pug you choose. But your skills are basically pee, poop, bark. So I will let you know that playing that game, I was successful at all three. I did a really good job. So that's actually going on until April 24th. If you're, if you're thinking of something to do with the kids for uh, March break or uh, you know into April, just something that's kind of – it's actually quite educational as well. And I was talking to the organizer and he said that one of the most popular installations isn't even the most current in terms of technology. It's just that they have one wall that's completely green screen. So it lets your kids um, – 
kind of do what news anchors do, which is they'll change up the background. So it might be that you're like birds in the forest, you're running through a busy street, you're on safari with a bunch of animals, and they've got these different um, costume pieces so that the kids can put them on and then kind of put themselves into these really cool scenarios and play around. So it's a fun thing to do. You know, I'm thinking of taking um, the kids from my Syrian family there. I think they'd have a lot of fun. Uh, another thing I got to do was, um, well, I'm sure a lot of you know this if you live out that way, but Sherway Gardens had like this huge, massive makeover. And I checked out a new restaurant there called Beaumont. And um, they it was, it was really nice. They have this French toast dish that I just want to tell you about because it's on their dessert menu. And it's a peanut butter stuffed French toast with ice cream and then like with a ton of jam on top. And it's a, it's a dessert that supposedly feeds too, but I think... Think, I think it could actually uh, feed four. Uh, my favorites were, I would say, the burrata dish, which was beautiful, and the um, the crab toast. But the mall looks really nice. I, admittedly, in the twenty years that I lived in Toronto, may have been up to Sherway once in my life. So they've got the new Saks there as well. They've got a beautiful new Pusateri's, um store in the basement, so you can get a lot of harder to find like gourmet and artisan goods down there. So I know that for uh, friends of mine who live in that area, they feel like that's the sort of thing that they've been lacking, a place that they can go and and check out. Um, I also had a chance to check out um, Holtz Cafe has a supper club now on Thursday evenings. My mom doesn't remember the name of Holt Renfrew. Like when we, when I take her out and we go walking around, she just knows it as the store with the really beautiful purses. So she's like, can we just go and we, (laughs) we don't go buy anything. We go and we look at the beautiful purses and then we pick out the purses that we would buy if we could buy them. But they're, um, they have a cafe on the mezzanine level. And because the store is open later on Thursday nights, they've launched this new supper club where they'll have a a new dinner menu. So if you are if you do happen to be in that area and you're browsing or for um, you're th- through that shop for any reason, uh, there is somewhere that you can try out a new dinner menu. So because of that, now I can't eat for the next week. Um, I read uh, this entertainment story that kind of broke my heart a little bit earlier this week. I think actually Richard Krauss posted it. One of the one of, <laughs> kind of embarrassed. Uh, one of the Hollywood celebrities that I had the biggest crush on for a really long time. In the mid-90s was Keanu Reeves. And one of the first things I bought to decorate my Ryerson dorm room when I uh, was 19 was this huge, massive black and white poster of Keanu Reeves a la Point Break days. Well, you know, then he had a success with The Matrix and after that, I'm not really sure. But apparently, and I didn't know this because I'm not as huge of a fan anymore, but uh, Keanu Reeves has a new like Hollywood movie out called Exposed. Um, it can barely make a dollar in the UK. I don't think it's done very well in North America, but apparently over in the UK, it made, let me find it, um, it took in less than $150 on its opening weekend in the UK box office. That's really, really bad. Like sometimes you hear about movies not doing well because they only pulled in like $100,000. That's not great when they cost millions to make. So it's a crime thriller. In case you're curious to see it because you like to go see movies that are rated really terribly. Uh, This is the synopsis I found on IMDb. A police detective investigates the truth behind his partner's death. The mysterious case reveals disturbing police corruption and a dangerous secret involving an unlikely young woman. So again, 
super generic description of a movie starring Keanu Reeves, which didn't even couldn't even make one hundred and fifty dollars in the UK. Uh, text in, tell me your favorite Keanu Reeves movie, 71010. Show is live uh, until 4 o'clock. Thanks for joining me. So you can always text in at 71010. You can also visit my website, paychen.com, if you want to get in touch. Twitter and Instagram, at paychen. Um, Mike Hatherwood is my technical producer. Do you have a favorite Keanu Reeves movie? Because I feel like that might be hard for you. Do you have a favorite Keanu Reeves movie? Um, up until about, up until last year, I would have said Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures. That's I love both those. Um, but I would say that now John Wick. Oh, uh, it's an action movie that came out last year. It was starring Keanu Reeves. It is yeah. an amazing action movie. It is really? really good. Yeah, I've never heard of it. It's, like, uh, it was k- kind of small. It yeah. didn't really get a big release last year. But if you can find it online or rent it somehow, it is a really good movie. Like action, as in like special effects action, like Matrix was. It no, it's very. It's what makes it good. It's very bare bones. It's yeah. and the movie is the story is he's a hitman. Who uh, another hitman kills his dog <laughs> and he gets revenge. <gasps> what, and that's it's about it. a dog? It's just the opening scene is his dog gets killed and then he has to get revenge for that dog and it is nuts. Um, that I really liked your short synopsis of that movie and um, I too would be angry if someone killed my dog. I don't know if I'd hire a hitman though. Uh, coming up after the break, so I've got a guest who's coming in today, which I think a lot of you will find really interesting. His name is Dr. Jason Fung. He um, has been studying obesity and calories, fat, and everything that has to do with why people gain weight and then why it is that so many of us struggle with like losing if it is just that last five or 10 pounds or people who are, let's say, type 2 diabetics um, or quite obese and have a lot to lose. And he tells, he talks in his book about why certain, basically most diets, actually, yes, they do work, but long-term they don't work. So if you've got any questions, you can always text in at 71010. He's got some, you know, really practical advice. I think we all know, you know, cut back on sugar, cut back on fattening foods, try not to eat processed stuff, um, move a little bit more. But um, his book is actually is quite informative and interesting. And I'll also be giving away copies of the book. It's called The Obesity Code, Unlocking the Secrets of weight loss while your body's own insulin is the key to controlling your weight. So he's got a lot of insight um, in terms of weight gain and weight loss and really breaks it down into all the things that are going on in your body that we don't always uh, know about. And he contradicts some of the things that a lot of people generally share in terms of health advice. Um, I spoke to him you know, before the show and I said, well, I'm always being told, eat a big breakfast, eat protein after your workout, graze throughout the day, you know, make sure you're eating every two to three hours. And that's not necessarily what he promotes. So he'll fill us in coming up later on the show. So feel free to text in any questions, 71010. Also later on, I will be giving away copies of that book. And coming up as well, oh, sad news. Just quickly, um, for those of you who are familiar with um, the Queen, the video store, Queen Video, it's closing. You may have heard of this. Uh, The one on Queen Street West has been there for 35 years. And it's kind of the place where you would always go to find hard to find videos and movies. But um, after 35 years, you know, with people going online and Netflix and all that sort of thing where 
a lot of people can go on the internet now and find these, you know, the dramas or these um, interesting foreign films that used to be not so accessible. Um, they're selling off all of their stuff. So they'll still be open for a couple of more weeks. They're at 412 Queen Street West. And um, they'll be selling off all of their inventory. So it'll probably take a few weeks for them to do. But it makes me miss VHS because I still have VHS tapes that I just won't, I just won't part with. So anyway, you can text in 71010. You're listening to the Pay 10 Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Right now, we'll take a look at the roads with News Talk 1010, time saver traffic. More with Pay 10 on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Happy Saturday. Welcome back to the show. I've got uh, Dr. Jason Fung in studio with me. Nephrologist? Did I say that right? Yeah, that's right. I did. Ask, I didn't even double check that with you beforehand. Uh, I also founder of the Intensive Dietary Management Program, which provides treatment for people with type two diabetes and obesity. So you've got a new book out, and you've just told me that it's already out now. They've moved up the date, so congratulations. Thank it's you. called the Obesity Code: Unlocking the Secrets of Weight Loss. Um, so let's start off. What is a nephrologist? That's a kidney specialist. And okay. so what I do is I deal with a lot of type 2 diabetes because that's by far and away the most common cause of kidney disease. And the thing about that's kind of funny about um, type 2 diabetes is that as doctors, we spend a lot of time thinking about what drugs to give, how much drugs to give. But at the same time, everybody knows that it's really all about the weight because if you lost the weight, then the type 2 diabetes would go away and if that goes away, then you don't get the problems down the line. But the problem with weight loss is that as doctors, we don't really spend a lot of time thinking about it. And that's the real problem. So I went back and started to think about what really causes weight gain. Mm-hmm. And that's a question that's really important because if you approach it from a disease standpoint, what you really need to know is what causes a disease. Otherwise, you really can't treat it because you don't know what you're doing. Right. So we don't think about that question, what causes weight gain very much because we think we already know. We think it's about calories, too many calories in, too few calories out. Oh, but- I know everything about weight gain. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I do anyway. And then I hear all the lectures about weight loss and then you yeah. know, it's like, well, this isn't working. But it, it, you make a very broad statement, which is that everything we believe about how to lose weight is wrong. And I find that very sad because I thought I was actually quite informed in this area. Well, the problem is it, it all stems back to that. So we, if we think that it's all about calories, then everything down the line is incorrect. And that's really what's happened because we think it's about calories. So all our strategies are directed against reducing calories. But of course, it doesn't work. And that's no secret, right? If you look at studies we've done enormous studies on this 50,000-person women's health initiative, and they did a calorie-reduced diet with increased exercise. At the end of seven years, they didn't even lose a single pound, right? And if you look at studies of weight loss in real-world practice, the failure rate of this sort of eat less, move more approach is about 99%. Wow. Wow. But but you do see people who um, they will change their lifestyle, they'll change their habits. So let's say they used to eat a lot of takeout, processed foods, they eat healthier, they start to move. And, you know, those are the people who tend to uh, drastically lose weight and they look great and they feel better. And, and is it, I, I feel like you, there are a lot of those. Well, there stories. are definitely, there are some people who are able to lose the weight, but it's not really just about the calories, because if you think about it, this whole idea that it's all about calories leads mm-hmm. you to some crazy ideas like, 
oh, well, if you eat this plate of cookies for dinner, it's the same as eating a salad with right. salmon because they're the same number of calories. They're equally fattening, but it's not true. So right? not all calories are made the same. So the, like you said, the Absolutely. calories from um, you know some fruits and vegetables, you can't equate to the calories in a can of pop. Yeah, because as soon as you start to eat that, the effect on our bodies is completely different. And it, we've known this for like 50 years, right? We can easily measure the difference in our hormone levels in response to, say, brownies versus a salad. So, for example, one of them, the brownies, will stimulate insulin much more than the salad. And it's really that difference in the way we metabolize those foods that causes us to gain or not gain weight. So if so, knowing that not all calories are made the same, which I think people have start, have come to realize. So you can't just, if you're telling someone, okay, you eat 1500 calories today, you can't just have your chips and a chocolate bar and go, okay, I'm good. I'm good for the day, right? <laughs> yeah, like right. That, that doesn't work anymore. So when you're talking about looking at the cause of weight gain, and it's not just calories, then what are we supposed to be looking at? Well, it's really a hormonal imbalance. So if you look at what causes weight gain, everything in our body is controlled by hormones. So really, it's a hormonal imbalance. The main hormone that's involved with weight gain is insulin. There's others as well. Cortisol, the stress hormone is involved, but insulin is the main hormone. So things that stimulate a lot of insulin tend to make us gain more weight and things that don't, don't make us gain more weight. Is that so, sh- that's sugar, like things that are yeah. so sugar, that's so, when you hear of things like an insulin spike. Like I feel like exactly, that's in exactly. our daily vocabulary. Yeah, so sugar is one of the big ones, refined carbohydrates, refined grains. So the breads, the muffins, the um, waffles, the donuts, all those sort of Sounds things. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that may be so. But the problem is that we know that those foods tend to make people gain weight. Right. And if you look at foods that don't tend to spike the insulin, things like um, dietary fats, actually. So uh, things like avocado and nuts and olive oil, those mm-hmm. things, even for the same amount of calories, don't spike the insulin. So they don't tell our body to gain the weight. So what we should do is really try to emphasize those foods. And that's really where things have started to move already. In the last 10 years, we've uh, gone from kind of a, you know, if you go back to the 90s, Mm -hmm. everything was low fat, low fat, low fat, you know, fat was really bad for you. Now, you know, in the last 10 years, everybody started to talk about the healthy fats, the nuts and the avocados, right? So in the 80s, like people would be like flabbergasted if you were to eat an avocado, right? right. That thing is all like fat, right? <laughs> now it's like a superfood, right? Yes. Same as olive oil, right? I was like, oh, don't use too much. Now it's like it, just put it on everything. It's mm-hmm. a superfood, right? I remember in the 90s, um, like early 90s when I was a teenager, I remember the low-fat craze because all of those packaged foods came out that were low-fat, no-fat, and that's all you looked at was like fat grams. And now I go back and I just realized they were chock full of sugar. Exactly. It was just like mm-hmm. nothing was low calorie, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that's the thing is that in order to kind of replace them, uh, the fat, it didn't taste very good. So they bumped up the sugar so that it would taste good. And that's how they kind of uh, made the food taste good so that they could still sell it. And that was the problem. Um, yeah. Now you also say, you also claim all diets work, all diets fail. Now, and and you cite a couple of examples of popular diets. So like the Mediterranean diet, which we often hear is a, a healthy way of eating. Like you said, lots of healthy fats, the olive oils, um, you know, fish, lean proteins. There's Atkins, paleo, no carb diets, low cal diets. 
I'm sure that when you see patients um, who are struggling to lose weight, they must just want you to tell them, tell me to eat this way. Which diet do I follow? Yeah. And all of those diets can be successful. So I'm not saying that you have to follow each uh, one specifically, like, oh, you must do paleo or something. In fact, all diets uh, have their successes and have their failures. It's funny because if you look at dietary studies, in six months, almost all of them do very well. But as almost every dieter knows, at about six months, then things start to plateau and then they start to go back up. And I address this in the book. Uh, the real issue here is the longer term problem of insulin resistance. And there's really two problems in terms of our diets. Really, there's two questions. One is what we eat mm -hmm. and the other is when we eat. And they're actually both extremely important. If you go back to the 1970s, there's actually been two major changes in our diets because the obesity epidemic has really run rampant since only about 1977. So it's not something that's been with us for hundreds of years. And some people say, oh, well, it's because food is available. Well, food was available in the 1950s too, <laughs> but there was no rampant obesity. And the right. two major changes was one, we went to a very low fat diet, right? So that was the whole dietary guidelines for Americans. The food pyramid, which on the bottom was bread and pasta, those things you should eat five, six servings a day, right? Um, so we went to a very high carbohydrate, which is very stimulating to insulin and a very low fat diet. But the other change, which very, very few people talk about is that we're eating like all the time. Okay. So, you know what? I'm going to um, put pause on that for a second. So when you yeah. talk about more about that after the break, um, you're listening to the Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. After the break, uh, Dr. Fung's solution for weight loss and also another chance to win his book. Pay Chen Show continues on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back to the show. Now, if you work out trying to burn more calories than you ate in the hopes of losing weight, and then you struggle to keep the pounds off, well, my guest is here to tell you why you what you're doing might actually not work for you in the long run. So Dr. Jason Fung is in studio. He's a nephrologist and founder of the Intensive Dietary Management Program. Nephrologist is, uh, you were saying before the break, you specialize in kidneys? Kidneys. Right. And you actually work at which hospital? Scarborough General. And now what kind of patients do you see there? Who do you deal with? Well, I deal with the very kind of late stage type 2 diabetes. By the time they have their kidney disease and they go on dialysis, that's usually 15 years after the diagnosis. Oh, wow. Example. So it is a late stage. But what I'd like to do is treat people much earlier to kind of get rid of their type 2 diabetes so they never have to worry about this kind of thing. And that's really what this, this book is about, is trying to get people to really focus on the underlying cause of the entire problem, which in type 2 diabetes is the weight. Right. So this book, um, the, the new book that you're talking about is The Obesity Code, Unlocking the Secrets of Weight Loss. Uh, and it applies to, I think, everyone, regardless of if they're diabetic or not. But I know that you wrote this um, with the experience of your patients in mind. And, and those are the ones who have a lot of weight to lose and who, as you said, have had uh, type 2 diabetes for many years. And I guess one thing to note, too, is that it is curable. People can change their lives and get rid of their diabetes. Absolutely. And that's what I sometimes call the big lie of type 2 diabetes, which is that if you look at um, the American Diabetes Association or anything, they say that, oh, type 2 diabetes is a chronic and progressive disease. In other words, what they're trying to tell you is that once you got it, you got it for life. Don't even try to get better. 
But the whole idea is completely ridiculous because we've all seen either on the internet or we see stories of people who get the diagnosis of type 2 diabetes. They work very hard, they lose the weight, and the diabetes goes away. So at the same time that we're telling people that this is an incurable chronic disease, everybody knows that it's actually a completely reversible disease. And that's really a big paradox to me. Why would you want to crush somebody's hopes like that? It's almost a learned helplessness that we're trying to give people. And I think it really does them a disservice because what you need to tell people is, look, it's really hard to lose weight. It's really hard to get the type 2 diabetes better, but we're here to help you, right? Not, you know, you got it, uh, oh well, right? Yeah, let's give you some medicine to deal uh, with it. Exactly. And this is the other problem, right? So again, type 2 diabetes, we know, is a dietary disease. We know this because 100 years ago, when the diets were different, we didn't have the same amount of type 2 diabetes. So here's a dietary disease, and yet we keep throwing drugs at it. Well, Isn't it logical that if you have a dietary disease, you need a dietary solution, right? You cannot simply throw drugs at a dietary disease. It doesn't even make any sense, right? It's like bringing a snorkel to a bicycle race, right? You're not even in the right ballpark. So let's talk about, um, because we just have a couple of minutes, and I'd love to share your five basic steps of lifelong habits to improve health. So this applies, I think, to anyone, whether it's that person who's been struggling with the last 10 pounds, that person who has 50 pounds, maybe someone who's listening who has diabetes and is thinking, you know what, this has been such a challenge. I thought I was stuck with this for life. So these are healthy habits. Uh, The first one I think is Great, and we hear about it a lot, which is to reduce the consumption of added sugars. That's just really obvious. So it's the soda pops, it's the um, the candy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the hidden sugars in food as well. Uh, reduce the consumption of refined grains. So that's your breads and your pastas. What grains do you suggest people consume? Well, you can still go with uh, things like quinoa or other things. It's really not the... Um, it's not the foods that are so bad. It's really the processing. So when you have grains in particular, what we tend to do with them is that, say you take a wheat berry, what you do is you strip away all, all the uh, other things other than the carbohydrates. So there's protein in there, there's fat in there, there's fiber in that. You take that all away, you pound it into a fine powder. So it's very one of these, it's called ultra processed. And that's really where a lot of the disease comes in because it tends to cause a lot higher spikes of insulin than if you're to eat the whole grain. Even the whole wheat is not so good because, again, it's been ground to a very fine powder. Your body absorbs it very quickly, so you get these higher insulin spikes. So, I mean, once you understand that insulin is really the underlying cause of weight gain, then you can say, well, you can reduce those foods, the refined grains, the sugars. You should try and moderate your protein because protein also tends to spike up um, the uh, insulin. And- now, a popular diet now is um, high protein. So is it just that we shouldn't be going overboard or do you, do you see any benefit to, to that? I don't think it's very good to go overboard. It's actually very hard using natural foods to have a very high protein diet. Right. Because protein tends to come with fat. So if you are eating a lot of protein, it's all just egg white and very, very lean meat. Mm-hmm. It tends to be unpalatable. That's the whole problem. So then people go to these, again, ultra-processed foods like protein bars, protein shakes, that kind of thing, which I don't really recommend. I generally recommend people to try and eat real food. Right. Um, and then the fourth is uh, increased consumption of natural fats, which we touched on a little bit. So things like having, um, you know, nuts, avocado, you know, the olive oil. I think the challenge for some people is the quantity. 
So right. we're like, we eat a container of nuts, but that's not really what we're supposed to be having. <laughs> well, you should always, uh, you know, keep a normal portion size in mind, but you don't have to be afraid of these dietary fats. These are natural fats, right? These are fats that humans have been eating for millions of years, right? They're not going to kill us. It's really the refined foods. So in terms of oils, it's mostly the refined vegetable oils. What we thought was very healthy, like margarine, for example, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, 30 years ago, everybody was switching to margarine because they thought it was really healthy. Turns out margarine was full of trans fats because it's completely artificial, right? Um, and it's still, still the same. Margarine is not a natural product, right? Mm -hmm. It's a refined processed food as opposed to butter, which has been in the human diet for thousands and thousands of years, right? You take the cream, you churn it, you get butter. Right. That's it, right? So, so just now... don't eat a stick of it though at a time. Because <laughs> all I hear is butter is okay and then I kind of go overboard. Um, the, the last one I thought was interesting, increased consumption of fiber, that makes sense, and vinegars. I, I wasn't, I'd never heard of consuming yeah. more vinegar. Vinegar is also another very traditional food. So vinegar is acetic acid, but you can also, in fermented foods, get a lot of lactic acid. And they, again, are protective factors. So again, understanding that insulin is the main driver of obesity, both fiber and vinegar actually tend to slow down that kind of insulin spike and keep you from gaining weight. Now what, and we've just got a quick minute left, but I know that you say the secret is sort of like when to eat. Um, and that means intermittent fasting, which you've done with your patients with success. And all I would say for people listening is that they should definitely, you know, talk to a medical professional before they try anything new. Um, and that you do outline this in your book, which you will be giving away after the break. So you, by intermittent fasting, what does that mean? It just means that you give your body a chance to kind of burn that excess sugar and fat because fasting is really only the flip side of eating. So if you're not eating, you're fasting. Technically, that's what it means. And the problem is that when you eat, you store food energy, but when you fast, you pull it out. And that's natural and that's normal and that's what we should do. So we should make sure we have a good portion of the time. The problem is when we start eating from the minute we get up to the minute we go to bed, now all of a sudden our insulin is constantly being stimulated. So our body gets a signal to constantly store fat because mm -hmm. that's what insulin tells us to do. So we need a period. And I'm not saying like 40 days and 40 nights. I'm saying like, you know, 12 hours, 16 hours where our body is just allowed to rest and pull out some of the stored food energy, you know, the energy from last night's dinner, from yesterday's lunch, because that's really what fat is. Fat is stored food energy. It's there for you to use when you don't have food. It's not there for looks, right? So if you're never not eating, that is you're constantly eating, you're never going to access those fat stores because your body has no reason to. All right. So again, I'll land in your book and we will be giving away copies. I'll tell you how to win after the break. Um, what you're just saying is completely opposite of what I do, which is like I eat from the minute I wake up until the second that I go to bed. So there's a new thing to try now. Um, thank you so much for joining me today. Really thank appreciate you, it. My guest, Dr. Jason Fung. Uh, and again, you will have a chance to win his book and find out more shortly after the break. You're listening to The Pay Chen Show here on In-Depth Radio News Talk 1010. Now, back to the Pay Chen Show on In-Depth Radio, News Talk 1010. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying this lovely Saturday. Um, there, there was a lot I could have talked to Dr. Fung about a little bit more just because it is very... Um, science and, and medical based. Uh, so because we didn't get to 
everything. I do want to give you a chance to win one of three copies of his book. It's The Obesity Code, Unlocking the Secrets of Weight Loss. And his work, as we mentioned, is with a type 2 diabetics, and uh, he's a doctor at Scarborough General. So for your chance to win one of his books, you can just text in anytime before the end of the show, 71010, and include your full name and your mailing address because the um, the books will be mailed to you. So just make sure you send me your, your um, correct mailing address. And don't feel like you have to rush because you've got until the end of the show to do this. You've got a good, what? 12 minutes or so. Um, and someone texted in, a listener texted in and said, I am no longer diabetic following Dr. Fung. Okay. Well, that's interesting. Good to know. Um, I, oh, I'm not sure. I, I found the story and uh, I kind of laugh, but it's mean. So it's not that funny. But I'm wondering if parents, if you've ever been so frustrated with your kids' bad behavior that you wanted someone else to take care of them. Like, and I'm sure that's happened because I've been out with my friends and I've been out with family members when their child is acting so terrible that they would love to just like dump them off somewhere. But no one ever actually, people don't, don't really do that. It's not, a, it's not a thing that people, most people do, except for a mother of four in Utah. I'm not sure if you heard of this. A Utah mom, she dumped her rude eight-year-old at a hospital and she begged the people there to take her kid because she couldn't handle his temper tantrums. Like she didn't just dump him there as a threat. Like I remember my uncle used to say that he was going to pull over and leave us on the highway if we, if we misbehaved. And sometimes he would pull over, but he never actually left us on the highway. So it's always like that threat. She actually drove up to the hospital and she left her eight-year-old son there with a note so she's a mom of four. That's the terrifying thing. She has three other children, um, and she's been charged with child abandonment and child abuse. So she left a note with him, and the boy, she dumped him at the front door of the hospital. He wandered in, and he kind of like walked around the waiting room, and then he had this note in his hand. So he gave the note to one of the employees at the front desk, who I'm sure was very curious about why this young boy was poking around and without supervision. The note that she wrote just said simply, and this is of her eight-year-old son, this kid is rude and ungovernable. Mm, big word. I do not want him in my house at all. Is that terrible? That is the note. That, that's, that's all she left. She just left a note with those two lines. This kid is rude and ungovernable. I do not want him in my house at all. And she gave him the note. She dumped him at the hospital. So here's the thing. The mom, 36-year-old, she thought... Unfortunately, she thought that she was covered under their uh, safe haven law. And if you don't know what that is, it's a law for mothers to allow them to surrender their newborn babies at a hospital up to three days after their birth um, without any questions. So it could be uh, whatever the situation is, it lets moms of babies uh, leave their leave their newborns at any hospital without feeling that they'll be charged with abandonment or abuse. Um, no questions asked. So this mom of the eight-year-old, unfortunately, um, thought that she was protected under this law when she dumped her eight-year-old off at the hospital with that, it's really quite a terrible note. Also, bonus points for using the word ungovernable. And um, anyway, so she's been charged, but she, because they found out who she was to charge her, uh, 
I feel so bad for her because there's actually video footage of her online. Like the local news station went to her door and was like, why did you abandon your son who has now been permanently removed from her and they're going to find a home for him. So everything about it is sad. It's just, it's amazing to me that someone would do that to their eight-year-old son. And she said that she just can't control him. He's he's way out of control. She says her, all her kids have some sort of disability, learning disability. Um, she said that part of the reason why she, he, she can't deal with him is he does things like he pulls his pants down in public. He cusses her out, calls her names. So she's just done with this kid. Boy, you're staying at the hospital with this note. I wet my hands clean of you. So in case you thought for any reason that you were a terrible parent today because maybe you lost your temper, uh, don't worry. Someone else is a worse parent than you. Quick reminder, daylight savings time this weekend. My Catherine Wood is laughing really hard. <laughs> well, you just the idea of her dumping her child. I just love the lovely message that, hey, if you're a bad parent, don't worry. There's worse ones out there. That's great. I love it's like that. My way to make listeners feel better. I'm like, if you perhaps snapped at your child today or you didn't let them go through the drive through at McDonald's and then you felt guilty about it, don't worry. You do not get worst parent of the year award because this woman has already beat you. Um, daylight savings time. Just set your clocks. Wait, spring ahead. We lose an hour. Sorry. Also, quickly, if you uh, weren't listening to the Ted Wallace show, who was on just before me, because the, the entire studio smells of like buttery pastry, Monday is Pie Day because that would be March 14th. So, Pie, P I, 3.14. And he had a guest in. Um, it's called, I think it's called Pie, yes, Pie Squared. They're a little shop on um, Bloor East, 366 Bloor East. Um, and they're, this is kind of a nice thing they're doing. They're giving away free savory pies for one hour between 314, which is pie, and 414, which is an hour after pie. Um, <laughs> Mike, did you try one of the pies? I did not. I did. I tried the bacon and egg. Uh, oh, there's a bacon and egg? Yes, it's, uh, it's really good. Oh, it sounds. It good. makes for a, a tasty breakfast. I could really. I've gone. I haven't been there in a couple months. Oh, so I you've went, been to the shop? I have been. Yeah, yeah I went oh. last. Last time I was there was probably last fall. Yeah. I've never had the bacon and egg one. Oh man, it's good. But now it's the. It's now going to be your new thing. It's good. They have all kinds of really. Um, they've got like. Oh, they've got sweet ones as well. I was going to say pumpkin nut. That doesn't sound like a breakfast thing. Uh, spinach and lentil, Moroccan vegetable. Nice. So they are giving away free pies for that one hour. Um, also, thanks to all of you who are texting in to win a copy of Dr. Fung's book. Seems like a lot of you are really interested in this. I will tell you that this is a book that it's like a novel and it does not have photos. Uh, it is it is a book with a lot of words that you will read through. But it is a really interesting thing to kind of, I guess learn about because a lot of what he says is a little bit opposite of what a lot of health professionals kind of tell you in terms of grazing, eating all day. So I say, you know, take the information and if you're going to really change what you're doing, then talk to your doctor as well. But um, he works at Scarborough General and he has thousands of patients who have been able to reverse their type 2 diabetes. But he did say to me in, in the break is that it's about work. It is hard work. It's not easy. And that's why not as many people are successful, of course, when it comes to losing weight, because it is hard work and we don't like things that are difficult. And I know speaking about that, mom, um, <laughs> speaking of kids, little update, because I felt like I needed to about my Syrian family. So the family that my friends and I have sponsored, we have them settled into um, a nice little apartment. I was up there this week, a couple of days ago with another member of our group. Um, and we were dropping off some things for them and just um, overseeing like some 
mattresses that were being delivered. So my friend who is in our group, our sponsorship group, she brought her two kids along. She wanted her two kids to meet the kids in our family. So as I mentioned before, we have four um, children in our Syrian family. They've all started school. They're really excited. Um, the teenagers were really, really nervous, but I think things have gone well for them so far because there's other kids in similar situations in their classroom, which is great. So they have people who understand and, and people to relate to. So here's the thing. We walk into this apartment building and it's like, uh, it's just an older apartment building. I walk in with my friend and her two little kids. Her four-year-old daughter, shortly after we walk in, says, I need the bathroom. So I see like a door that's closed. And then I go, oh, this is probably the bathroom because I'd already seen the two bedrooms. So I open the door. I let her walk in and uh, and I go to close the door behind her to you know, give her privacy. And she goes, no, I don't want to be alone. And I said, oh, do you want me to come in with you? Because I thought being four years old and she doesn't really know me, I'm kind of a stranger to her. I'm a friend of her mother's. I thought she was going to ask for her mom or maybe her older brother. So I said, do you want me to come in with you? And she said, yes. I said, okay. So I walked into the bathroom and I closed the door behind us. And it's a really tiny little apartment bathroom. Um, And uh, so she gets on the toilet and she, I guess, thinks that we're going to have like coffee time and just chat a lot because she. Just, <laughs> so then she has a she has a little toot, and she giggles, and I pretend like I don't know where it came from. I'm like, where did that come from? And there's only the two of us in there, so she pretends it comes from the shower, and so we we say maybe it came from um, the tap. So we're kind of laughing about that, and I realize she's on the toilet and she's chatting with me, and it's taking a little while. So I asked her, and I guess anyone with a parent. <laughs> knows that this is sort of like a typical conversation that you might have with a three or four year old. So it's taken a little while. We're in this little bathroom. And um, I said, are you having a pee or a poo? And she kind of smiles at me. She goes, I'm having a poo. I said, okay. All right. So I wait. It's kind of quiet. And then she says, "Um, I'm done. I said, okay. What do you want me to do about that? And she goes, wipe my bum. Now, I am pretty much a stranger. Her mother is a good friend of mine, but this is not what I signed up for. So I looked at her. I'm like, you're four years old. You don't know how to wipe your own bum? And, uh, and she said, no. And then she's laughing because I think she realizes that she's, she's four, but she's smart. She realizes she's put me into a very awkward situation. And then she, pretty, she leans over. She pretty much tucks her head between her knees. And uh, I'm like... Okay, I said, well, you know, before you invited me into the bathroom with you, I feel like maybe you should have told me what was about to happen. And my lesson for all of that, friends, is that before you agree to something with a child, you should first ask them why, and you should ask them the extent of your responsibilities. And that was my lesson for the day. Uh, thanks to all of those of you who have texted into a copy of Dr. Fung's book. Um, I will let you know if you've won, and your book will come in the mail. So just be patient and give it a little bit of time. Thanks again. Paychan.com is the website. Have a great weekend, everyone. Happy Pi Day. Mm-hmm.